So as the title of the sermon would say, which it has been for the last three weeks, the same one, living the biblical worldview. Having the biblical worldview is one thing. Know the truth. I know the truth, or I've heard the truth, but I'm not exactly sure I agree with it. Or, many times, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like that's true, because other things are happening in my life, and it's like, how can this be true and this still happen? That's what this sermon is all about. You, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were reborn. You were made new, and you were given a new heart, and God is working on your mind. Okay, got that? You also need to be remodeled. Okay, I was in construction. Um, I was involved in a lot of different remodels. I had one because of the grandfather clause and what they wanted to do. They ripped down the whole thing except one wall. Then they could call it a remodel. Okay? We call those, it needs a gut. It needs to be gutted and redone. That's you and me. That's you and me. Okay, we're saved. Now we need to be gutted and rebuilt from the bottom up. From the inside. That's what God is doing in your life. If you can get the truth of God's word into your heart and into your mind, I'm going to go back to my favorites here. No longer conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? I'm new inside. I'm in the midst of a massive remodel project. And in order to do it, I need to have my mind renewed. Okay, how do you renew it? What do you renew it with? How am I supposed to do that, God? How am I supposed to get rid of man thinking and instead have God thinking? You have to die to self, and you have to have your mind renewed by God's word through the power of his Holy Spirit to get the information in the Bible, not just as intellectual inside you, but as who you are and how you think and how you behave. Thus, a series about living, not just knowing, but living the biblical worldview. And, he, and I had it, right? In, oh, so, so in order to do those things, in order to do those things, to be renewed, I need to know what's true, I need to understand and believe what's true, And I have to move on even when circumstances are telling me with an emotional response, it doesn't feel true. Okay? So I told you about those areas that we're going to be looking at. What's the right view? What's the biblical worldview of God? What's the biblical view of God? What's the biblical view of me? What's the biblical view of others? What's the biblical view of the world I'm living in? What's the biblical view of my circumstances? What's the biblical view of my future? You have to ask yourself, do I know the truth? I asked the kids, do you know the truth? Or actually, I told them the truth, and they didn't believe it. Because they didn't know the truth. And then when they knew it, they didn't believe it. Or if I'd asked them ahead of time, maybe I did, and I can't remember. Did I touch you on the shoulder? Well, I know they thought that because they raised their hand. They didn't know the truth. So you first have to know the truth. You have to know what the Bible says about all these areas of your life if you want to be changed. 
If you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you have to take the information of the Bible in all those areas of your life and at least know it. But at least knowing it's not enough. Then you have to actually believe it. Okay, you have to believe it. Ah, do I know the truth? Mm, Do I believe the truth? And then can I overcome my emotions when it doesn't feel true? Okay. We can know it, the truth. We can say we believe it. But when push comes to shove, in this world, push always comes to shove. Pain, trial, disappointment, anxiety, and confusion can cause us to react negatively because during those times, many times, the truth of Scripture just doesn't feel true. You say, what do you mean by that, Tim? Well, let's take a look. Hmm. Stars. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Here's what the world thinks. Here is what the world thinks about God. God does not exist. Hear that all the time. Uh, That's fairly new in the history of mankind that they're believed, nah, we just forget God. We don't need God. He didn't start anything. We just don't even believe he's there. Man is the center of the universe. He, He is what it's all about. Okay. How many of you heard this one? Right? We know that. A lot of the world just doesn't believe God's around at all. Okay, what about this one? Okay, God does exist, but he's not really in control of anything. He's out there. Maybe he made us, but then that was the end, and he's not really in control. He's not sovereign. We use that churchy word. It's a churchy word, sovereign. Okay, I believe God exists, but, but he's not really in control of everything. Another worldview. Okay, God exists, and he might be in sort of in control, but he certainly can't see everything, know everything, and be everywhere at once. No way. I don't believe that. Okay, God's, God's out there and everything, but he kind of just set it all in motion, and then he just left and said, oh, well, let's just see how it goes. It was start it spinning, and we'll just see how it all ends up. You heard that one? You hear that one a lot, too, right? You know, God, he's got more. How many of you heard this one? God's got way better things to do than worry about my life. Okay. God is not involved with his creation. He just started it, and it's an experiment with God to just see how things are going to turn out. God's involved, but he's arbitrary. Eh, I got nothing to do today. I'll go and get involved over here. Or I'll get involved, and I'll do this this time. Next time over here, eh, I'm tired of that. I'm going to do this over here. What do you think? It's wrong. It's not true. Okay. God is not just, okay, God, you're out there, you're here and you're involved, but I don't like the decisions you make because they don't seem just to me. I mean, just would be you're going to punish bad and you're going to reward good all the time, all the time. When I do good, I want a reward. When I do bad, okay, I'll take a little bit of punishment or discipline, whatever, but by golly, when I'm doing good, you've got to reward me. And you're not. You're not just. You're not, oh boy, you're not fair because I want the distribution of benefits to be equal. Okay, every rain has to fall on everybody once in a while, but, but I want fair. Fairness is a human concept. It doesn't apply to God. 
We want fair because we're humans. We want it to be our system of what should be uh, because we think we know distribution of good and bad should go a certain way. And when it looks like, and I certainly see it out here sometimes, like God piling on, really? Come on. They're already dealing with all these things, and you're going to give them more to handle? That's not fair. Of course, these are the world, right? And in fact, God is mean. I think I told you this when the guy, or, or God is a child abuser. He took his own kid, put him on a cross, and killed him. How could you love a God like that? He's mean. He had his people go into the land of Israel and kill every man, woman, child, and animal there was. How can you love a God like that? He's me. Therefore, the view of the world, either God doesn't exist, but he's certainly not perfect. Now, you would say, I would never fall for any of those. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I have the Bible. I wouldn't believe any of this until it starts to hurt. Until life doesn't go the way you think it should go, and the pain is mounting, and the trials are going up, and the stress level is ever-increasing. We saw that in a gentleman named Job. God says to Satan, Have you seen my servant Job? There was none other like him in the world. He's upright in all his ways, and he trusts me. Satan says, well, that's because you're giving him everything he wants all the time. Take it away and find out how is he going to love you then. Okay, go ahead. Just save his life. All right. So then God does that, and then Satan comes back, and, and, and Job is really sad, lost everything he owned, lost all of his family. Um, he kept his wife. Maybe I'm not sure about that one. Um, but eventually... The trials mount, the pain increases, and here's what he says. For the arrows of the Almighty are in me. You ever felt like that? This is Job, the most upright man in the world. And he's saying in this, the arrows of the Almighty, God, you're against me. God, you're killing me here. My spirit drinks their poison, and the terrors of God are arrayed against me. Oh, that I were in the months of old, as in the days when God actually watched over me, when his lamp shone on my head and his light walked through my darkness. What is he saying here? Oh, I sure wish God was the God I really want him to be back here, but now, no, he's not watching over me anymore. He's not shining his light on my head. I'm walking in darkness. God, what's the purpose of this? David. David, a man after God's own heart, becomes king. Saul, the current king, gets jealous of David. Saul turns away from God and wants to kill David. In fact, chases him clear out of town and is chasing him to kill him. And he's hiding out in the wilderness with all of his men. 
and he's under an enormous amount of pressure and fear for his very life. And he's thinking, God, I'm only trying to serve you. I gave everything to you. I, I, I even spared the life of your king just because he was your king, even though he's evil. And this is what I get? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long are you going to hide from me? David, Job, most upright man. Ezekiel, the prophet of God. The nation of Israel transgresses against God, turns away. They're taken into captivity. Ezekiel is one of the prophets that God had anointed. He is there, and he is lamenting not only the trials that the nation of Israel is enduring, which actually is, was a correction and a, and a discipline, but his own. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details, but he's, he's having trials of his own, massive. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into the darkness without any sort of light, and surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. Job, David, Ezekiel, all knew God. And yet, when the pressure was on, was God afflicting him with his wrath? No. Did, did he drive him into darkness without any light? No. Was he turning his hand against him again and again all day long? No. But it sure did feel like it. It sure did feel like it. Okay, let me share you a quick one. <clears throat> Tim. This is going to pale so much, but it's an example. I put this sermon together over the last three weeks. This morning, this morning, I, I bought a, <clears throat> I bought a uh, generator from Walmart online. I had to probably fill out some sort of account information and put in a password to, just to buy it, right? Because I needed a, a Walmart account. Oh, only what I found out was I actually must have bought something earlier, and I had a Walmart account already, and so it was in there, and this password came up as dot, 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 but it was already entered in, right? So I, it was in there, but do I know what it is? Heck no. Okay, so I get a, I get a, a, a text this morning from Walmart saying your, your um, generator is going to arrive today. Well, I'm leaving town after, right after the potluck. I said, gosh, it'd be really great, God, if I could just get this thing and get it in because my daughter, who's going to be here, it's going to probably weighs a couple hundred pounds. I probably ain't going to be able to get it in the garage. And so I'd really like to be here. So it says, hey, we're sending you a tracking text. If you just push this link, it'll tell you when your package is going to arrive. So I push on it, and it says, enter your account information. Enter your, enter your email and enter your password. I don't know any of that. And the pressure was building, and I was frustrated, and I was angry. And I, I'm ang angry, more angry than what you guys would probably imagine. <laughs> Just tell me when it's coming, will you? Perfect example. Emotional response. Did I forget in that moment, in that stupid, silly, doesn't mean anything moment, that God's in control of everything? That all I really need to do is, God, I don't understand this. 
I, I certainly don't have the time to go in here and, you know, oh, you can recreate the password, then they can send you a, a, a code that you have to enter into your phone so that they can get back to you and actually, okay, now you can change your password, then you can change your password, log into your account and find out when in the world this thing is showing up. But I forgot all of that, and I, I mean, I forgot all that God's in control, and, 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 and I just got angry. Okay. What is true? God does exist. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Before your beginning, before my beginning, before the beginning of the universe, God. Eternally into the past, eternally into the future, God. God does exist. Daniel 4.35, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of the heavens and among all the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to them, what have you done? God is in control of everything. He is totally sovereign. That is spiritual truth from Scripture. Are there not two sparrows sold for a penny? And are not one of them, this is Jesus talking, and not one of them will fall, not a one, not a one of them are going to fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered, getting easier and easier for God to track that in my head. <clears throat> so is God really just, you know, making us and then he's just, no. He's intimately involved. It says right there in Scripture, he's intimately involved in everything. Nothing happens outside God's knowledge. God saw it all before he created us. He saw the end from the beginning. And so to say or think that somehow God is out there, but he doesn't really see or isn't interested in my particular circumstances or life is just wrong, but sometimes it feels like that. Okay. See what kind of love the Father has given to us? That we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. God loves his children completely. This, 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 folks, let me tell you, this is an amazing combination of stuff. I'm here. I control everything. I know everything about you, and I love you. It'd be great if he just loved us, but hey, if he wasn't in total control, maybe stuff was going to happen he couldn't deal with. Or if he wasn't totally sovereign, maybe stuff just gets away from him. Having those things is an amazing combination when you can serve the God that is in control of everything, knows everything, and work in everything. We're going to see it all. But he loves us completely. But God showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore... We have now been justified by his blood. How much more will we be saved by him from the wrath of God? God loves his children so much, he was going to die to save them. That's a biblical truth. If God's in control, he does exist. He's intimately involved in our lives. He can, he can nothing ever is going to happen that doesn't either be caused by God or, or 
uh, be allowed by God. And he loves us, and he loves us enough to die for us. What are we worried about? Mm -mm. Count it all joy, brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and the steadfastness will have its effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So, with all that said, yeah, I must have missed one. I had, should have had one in there from John. Maybe I just got to go back, but I won't. John said, in this world you will have trouble. So, in the fact that God loves us, he's in control of everything, nonetheless, he's still allowed sin and rebellion to occur. We talked about that on the first one, right? So I needed to answer that question. So I did. And that was a sermon. Why did God allow, if he's so perfect, if he's so great, if he's in control, if he loves us so much, why does he allow sin and rebellion? <clears throat> Go back to that sermon. He does. But he also tells us he's using this trouble and this brokenness in the world that we live in to help us grow. So we can be complete and mature, lacking in nothing. And, and complete is perfect. God uses this trouble in our life to help us grow. Now, that may not be as wonderful a combination as the other ones I told you, but nonetheless, it's true. God loves us enough to save us. God also loves us enough to remodel us. Have you ever done a remodel? There's some busting up of stuff involved. In fact, that was the fun part. Get the sledgehammer. If you guys watch HGTV, man, you love it. I love it. I love it when they show the dainty little girl, woman, with the sledgehammer looking like she's probably never lifted a tool in her life. For the camera. And then you get the, the guy that's, you know, probably, you know, big and been doing it all his life. And bam, bam, bam. That's what actually happens. But you got to do that. you gotta, you got to do the demo. God is using the trials to do the demo so he can rebuild you. I know you don't like to hear that. It's true. It's true. It says right there. Spiritual truth. Okay. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And that all things would mean the bad things. The things that we say are bad. Okay, so this is the combination is starting to work better. Okay, I got the first ones, but then, okay, you allowed pain, and you're using pain to make me grow. And that didn't really sound right. But, but then when you add this one, and I'm working all things together for your good. Behind the scenes, way big, the bigger picture, you don't see it. Trust me, I'm in control. God is working all things out for our benefit, ultimately. Therefore, God is perfect. This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He's a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. Okay, He is perfect. Okay, so that was the, we, we, we saw the world's view of God, and then we see this, right? This is the spiritual view of God. And I want to take those things, and I want to think about them, and I want to go back. If you want the scriptures, I'll give them to you. And there's plenty more. And I need to hang on to those things because when the trials come and the waves are bigger, we allow emotional non-truth to drive out biblical truth and rob us 
of joy and peace and satisfaction. Because we're emotional beings. When I'm in pain, God understands us. See, see this is... I'm just talking, I think, with Charlotte right before this. Um, God understands we're going to go through sorrow and grief. Okay. He, he went through that himself. Those are things that everybody has to do. When, when things are hard, it's okay to have sorrow. It's okay to grieve. You just don't want to let that grief and that sorrow take you to another place where you start to feel anger and resentment and frustration like when you're, you can't get online to find out when your generator's showing up. Why did I allow that stupid thing to take me there? Because we react from an emotional basis a lot of the time, and it leads us away from the truth of our reality based on Scripture, and we lose our peace and our joy and our satisfaction unnecessarily because we aren't relying on the truth of Scripture to generate the reactions to our reality. Don't do that. We'll go back to the beginning. First, you have to know the truth. So, I mean, we have ways, right? This is part of the reason why we're here right now, in this phase of what we're doing. So that, you know, there's a shepherd guy like me, under shepherd guy, and he's tasked with searching God's word, finding the truth of Scripture, and relating it to you in a way that you can understand it, know what it says, know what it means, and hopefully motivate you to apply it to your life. That's why we're doing this. You got to know. You got to know. We have contenders. Ken's got another class starting pretty soon. Hey, I don't. I just don't know what's in the Bible as much, or I don't really understand it. Guess what? We can help you with that. I got to know it, and then I have to know it, and I have to understand it enough to agree with it. Now, people say, "Ah, hmm." There's a lot of Christians that don't even agree on what it says and what it means. That's true. The essentials, though, we agree on. Okay, so um, all of the truth I just gave you is completely uh, not uh, disputable. If you're a Christian, you should believe all those things. They're very clear in Scripture. So you say, I have to know the truth, but I have to accept it as truth, and then I have to stick with the truth when it just doesn't seem true. David said, God, I don't see you. How long, God, are you going to keep your eyes away from me? And then God might say, um, I'm still here. I'm st- I still see everything you're going through. It just doesn't seem like it to you because you're reacting emotionally instead of because of using the truth. Or when, when God doesn't seem fair or when God just seems mean, we certainly feel all of those things at times. And we can allow it to create resentment and bitterness and anger and frustration and despair about ourselves, about our life, 
and about God. And what God is telling us is we have to revert to the truth. Go back. Go back to what you know to be true. It won't feel true. It won't seem true at times. But it is true. And find peace and comfort there. I am there for you always. This doesn't seem like it sometimes. There are a couple of steps to take. Practical steps. You have to die to self. I mean, I'm going to go back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Every single day, I have to put the fleshly part of me that's still broken at the foot of the cross and die to it. And then I have to have my mind fixed. In this great remodel that I'm experiencing, God is doing it with the power of his Holy Spirit, using the truth of his word to change me to be more like Jesus. If we don't die to self, if we don't spend time in Scripture, not just reading it for knowledge, but meditating on it and getting it down deep where I can draw upon it when the world goes crazy, I'm going to be getting in the way of God's fixing me, and I'm also going to be denying myself the abundant life that God has promised is available. That was the lesson I needed to learn. And I'm still learning it. Because I'm an emotional guy. And now, you guys are killing me. <laughs> I really did have to understand, you know, that, that I... You know, I don't know, Tommy's back there somewhere. Um, Tom, I know that when you see people come in, in the, when you're in the emergency room service, at some point, you have to be able to detach yourself from all the gore, right? Or you're just not going to be an effective servant in doing what needs to be done, right? You have to be some, figure out some sort of detachment so that, because if I saw you come in and your arm was cut off, I mean, I don't know how I'd deal with that, you know? But here they're asking me as a pastor, and God is saying, no, no, Tim, I want you to be super, super loving and involved, but also deal with the tragedy. And so I need help with that, because yeah. I'm not willing to detach. And we're all there. We're all there somewhere in our own families, right, in our own lives. And God says, no, I want you to keep loving me. Don't detach from me. Just trust me easier said than done. But we're going to pray in that direction right now. Um, Lord, um, boy, life is hard, but God is good. Those are concepts that are difficult for us to deal with, Lord, both in, in understanding it, believing it, um, but also just in it, dealing with it emotionally. Why is life so hard, Lord, if you're so good? But there's an answer, and the answer is to trust you and to focus on the truth of our existence and our life and our reality. Lord, help us to do that. I, I, we, 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 emotions are so powerful sometimes in our lives that we can forget it or at least not live it when things get so painful and so hard, so frustrating. So, Lord, we just pray. Continue to work in us to take that reality and drive it in so far that that's where we turn when the road gets rough.
So, Lord, we just thank you in advance for how you're going to do that. We know you're doing it even now as we, as we meet together. So we just praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.